Kickin' Pod, WFUV's NBA podcast. I'm Kelly Bright, alongside Thomas Aiello. Thomas, always a pleasure to do a show with you, especially the night after a Knicks game. How are you feeling? You know, Kelly, <laughs> I am. I am. I'm a little more happy now that I'm doing Pickin' Pod with you. But great response. The Knicks. Great response. As much as I've enjoyed them this year, and as much as they, as much as they have, uh, you know, turned it around, they're finally going in the right direction. They still find a way to just aggravate my final nerve in my body. <laughs> I was uh, uh, the disappointment. You just live for it. You live for it as a Knicks fan. You just live for it. Very rarely do I hear you at a loss for words. So that's when you know. That's when you know. That's when you know it was a tough oh, one. I mean, man. first of all, you know, college basketball finishes probably one of the more most boring championship games I've seen in March Madness with that Baylor win uh, over Gonzaga. But NBA was pretty good last night. I know I just mentioned, obviously, Thomas, the Knicks did lose, but it was a close game. The lead changed 15 different times. And Brooklyn had to come back from a 14-point deficit from the second quarter to end up winning over the Knicks. Brooklyn won 114 to 112. That's their eighth in a row at home. Kyrie had 40 points, seven assists. Knicks had RJ with 22, Bullock 21. Randall with another triple-double, but it wasn't enough to overpass this Nets team, which, Thomas, they were missing two of their best players, and the Knicks still weren't able to hang on. Is that a cause for concern for the Knicks? Is is this a bad omen? Uh, um, well, you know what? I have to give props to the Nets because uh, contrary to popular belief, I actually enjoy watching their games. One, because Ian Eagle does their games. And number two, I enjoy watching Kevin Durant play, even though he hasn't been playing as of late. But like watching him, you don't pass up that opportunity. But I have to give all the credit in the world to Kyrie. 40 points, seven assists. He was just making one circus shot after the other. And there was one play where he came down the court on the right side. He had, I think, Barrett on him. And then he steps back and just nails a three in his face. And I go, oh, man, not this again. It was like deja vu from his rookie year when he gets game gamed on in the face by Kyrie. And then the next game was by Jason Tatum. So, the Nets and your Celtics clown my favorite team in the same week, which just, I think I cried for about three hours on a Sunday. Um, but all the props in the world to the Nets, they've really been holding it together with all these injuries. I have to, it's, it's astonishing how they can do it. I mean, you look at Jeff Green and Joe Harris pouring in 16 points and 23 respectively. Nick Claxton, who's actually been um, a defensive key for them, for the Nets, that is. He's an up-and-coming, developing young player. And he has good length, good versatility. Now, last night, he had no points, six rebounds and three assists, and doing some good work on the defensive end. So they've got a nice little player developing there. And you know what? They were able to get stuff done in the aggregate. Next man up, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge was their big name they brought in. And he didn't even have to do anything. He only had eight points and six rebounds. And watching those Nets games, he likes to play that Al Horford, as you know very well, that high-low post-pass offense where he's just kind of, oh, you know what, let me post up at the foul line. Oh, back door, I'm going to toss one of you for an easy two points. So I have to give the Nets a lot of credit. 
especially Kyrie, all the respect for that game that they had last night. But man, the Knicks just can't catch a break. It it makes me sad, I, Kelly. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you looked at this game and you thought, all right, maybe, you know, the Nets don't have KD. Harden goes out in the first four minutes. The Knicks put up 67 points in the first half, and it was really looking like their game. And then all of a sudden, like you said, Kyrie just gets into his element and it's over. And, you know, then as I'm sure as a Knicks, Knicks fan, you're tired of hearing about these moral victories, you know, down to the wire losses against the Sixers. This is now the second close loss to the Nets, three competitive losses with Miami. And it's just how many good losses can you take before it just gets frustrating? But, but you mentioned the Nets and you mentioned how injured they are. And that is a big deal on this team to me. You have your big three, which is the talk of the NBA this season, as it should be. But then you look, KD has missed 32 games, Harden 17 games, and Kyrie 15 games. They've only played seven games together. And, of course, they played very well when they've had all three. And they've also played even better, arguably, when they've had two out of three. But if you're down to one out of three, there's some question marks there. Is is that going to be a struggle for this team that that really – the the all-star power is what makes this team so good at the end of the day they have three of the best players in the league especially offensively and you you know Kevin Durant he's we don't really know what his timeline looks like you keep hearing different reports supposedly Steve Nash says he's day-to-day who knows what that really means day-to-day it can can mean a lot of different things especially with somebody like Durant who has a long injury of, of pretty serious injuries you know the Achilles one obviously coming into this season is, is a big big factor and now you have Harden who right before we started recording this he is on a 10-day window he's missed now two and a half games with that hamstring tightness so I Thomas I I wouldn't be too worried because if you look at this game that happened last night they still won they had Kyrie who on any other team he'd be a top two player but he's a top he's number three on this team and he dropped 40 and they won against a Knicks team who has been having a pretty strong year as you know for the most part, considering it's the Knicks team, but they have, they have depth in the roster. You mentioned Jeff Green stepping up. And I think, I, I think this is a team that as long as they have two out of three come playoff time, they are still top two teams in the league. In my mind, they're definitely still lethal. I mean, it, I don't think they're totally a lost clause. Um, and in terms of the playoffs, I mean, we know Kyrie will most likely be there. He's been the only one that's able to I guess, keep his body in one piece if I can be a little cliche. But um, if we look at James Harden in the, in the playoffs, his playoff history is not exactly kind to him. He's had uh, numerous choking incidents. Uh, we're not talking little pieces of chicken here. We're talking like, this is a Houston, we have a problem. And he got game winnered by Damian Lillard one year. He had that debacle with Dwight Howard that just didn't go well. And the most recent one, I'm not going to count the bubble, but the most recent one that was like mind-blowing was when they missed 28, 29 straight threes in a row in the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago. And if you want to attribute that to mostly James Harden, sure, you can argue that players like Trevor Ariza, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, like yeah, they were missing threes left and right, but obviously the burden would fall on Harden because he is the best player. He was the best player at that point. He was the MVP that year, in fact, I should say. And so the playoffs have not been kind to the beard, but I think this time going around with someone who 
has hit one of the most iconic shots of all time in NBA history in Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant is lethal in the playoffs the last four or five years. He's fixed his playoff uh, choking. And on top of the fact, the team from top to bottom is essentially indestructible. I mean, you go down and you take away the big three. There's still Joe Harris, who's a good NBA player. Um, DeAndre Jordan's a good NBA player. Nick Claxton's getting better every day. Uh, Blake Griffin's on the roster. LaMarcus Aldridge. This team is loaded at practically every position. So I don't know, unless the Bucs magically recruit the Monstars to their team, I don't see who the heck's going to beat the Nets. Especially when they're all healthy, this team is unstoppable. And Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, again, we use the healthy term here, he is the most unguardable player in the league. You know, he's, I mean, he's not a great athlete, but he's seven feet tall. He can shoot over pretty much everybody. He can get to the rim. He's got a great touch from mid-range, and he plays pretty good defense. He can still run a little bit. So, I mean, if the team comes back fully healthy, and we know, again, James Harden and this choking theme, and Ky- but Kyrie and Durant are there this time. And the team from, again, top to bottom is just really, really good. So I don't think the injuries are going to be a factor, especially if it goes back to Kyrie Irving plays the shooting guard and James Harden's the point guard, and then Durant just kind of does his thing. I don't think it'll be a problem unless something drastic happens, which I highly doubt will. Right, and and none of these injuries are serious career season-ending injuries. I mean, these are lingering things, and I think it's a good thing that they're taking their time coming back because at the end of the day, the Nets would much rather have the, their big three healthy come playoff time than try and force them right now just to get a number one seed and then go into the playoffs with those three a little banged up. They have enough talent on their roster that they're going to overcome any home court disadvantage that they might have. And I think it's worth taking a few games off, taking it, take, being cautious, taking it slow when, when bringing Harden and KD back and making sure that they're going to be healthy when it matters than trying to force things right now. So I think, I don't think it, it's going to be too much to worry about. And like you mentioned, this team is just so good. And I think sometimes we forget how good Kevin Durant is because he is injured a lot. I mean, he missed all of last year. He's missed a lot of this year. He's, he's one of the most lethal offensive weapons in this league and pairing up with Harden, a two-time MVP and Kyrie Irving who dropped 40 yesterday. I mean, these, these three guys are so talented and, and not to beat a dead horse, but I mean, the whole roster, they're so deep. And I really, I don't think they're going to have much to worry about. I'm, I've been rooting for the Sixers all season. So I think maybe the Sixers will have the best shot of giving them a run for their money, maybe the Bucks, but even at that, it's a maybe. And I really think, this Nets team is going to be okay and they're going to continue to dominate come playoff time. And I do want to talk about one team in the East though, and that is the Bucks. They just signed Drew Holiday to a new extension four years on to 35 million with the potential to be worth up to 116 million, approximately 25 million in added bonuses. Crazy extension for them to sign to sign at this point in the season Drew Holiday has been playing well, though. He's averaging 17 points, 5.4 assists, 4.6 rebounds, 1.8 steals. He was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week this week. And, I mean, if you look, they are making an investment right now in their, in their big three. Forget about Brooklyn's big three. Now the Bucks have their big three, and that's Chris Middleton, 
Drew Holiday, and obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo. So they have their big three. Thomas, I'd love to hear your opinion on this extension. Is it a stupid deal, or or did they have to do it, and, it, and is it the right right move in this position? How how can I phrase this delicately? It's nonsense. <laughs> I, now look, it is a good. It's a in theory you want to extend a player like this. Yes, he's the league leader in steals right now. You mentioned the points. They had 17. It is down a little bit, but I mean, when you're playing on a team with Giannis and Chris Middleton, of course, your numbers are going to go down. He also is shooting 51% from the field. So that's just wanted to throw that tidbit in, which is uh, actually a career high. So good job, Drew. But I think this is an overpay. And I know that teams, they want to keep their stars. I mean, we looked at Rudy Gobert, who got a ridiculous amount of money. Um, you know, team players like that. And then we look at Bam Adebayo who got money. You know, teams want to retain their stars. But I feel like Drew Holiday, he's already 30 right now. And by the time the contract is like pretty much over, he's going to be 33. And then there's this $36 million player option where he'll more than likely be 34, 35. I don't know if I'm doing the math right, but it's going to be something around that. And how good is he going to be three years down the road? How good is he going to be next year? You know, you don't know what's going to happen, but I understand why they did it. You know, you're trying to keep Giannis happy. You don't want to have to trade him away. And if you did have to trade him away, I feel like that would just be a hardened 2.0 thing where there's 600 different moving parts and then one team can't trade draft picks for the next 600 years and other people are getting other players that they like didn't ask for, but, oh, they turn out to be really good. You know, it could be in total mess. So I understand they're trying to avoid that they don't want to go into that doomsday scenario and then they just have to set hit the reset button on the team because quite frankly this Bucks team is very good and Giannis is 24 25 he's still I wouldn't say he's an NBA toddler he's definitely a middle schooler I guess if you want to use uh that term so he's definitely not a rookie and he's definitely not an old veteran so he's in the pretty much in the prime of his career unless he gets something better somehow and you want, you want to keep him happy. You got Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. You know, they got a good team. They have a very good team. Mike Budenholder is a very good coach. They replenished the bench this year by signing uh, former Nick and one of your favorite players, Bobby Portis, to a contract. That's, uh, I know that that's your guy. They also picked up Bryn Forbes from San Antonio, Tory Craig from Denver. So there's definitely like good bench pieces, DJ Augustine. And they're trying to do what they can, but... I feel like this might just be an overpay to the point of it's a contract where you're going to have to trade it and give away a draft pick to get rid of it. And I hope that doesn't happen for the sake of Giannis, but just looking at it right now in the moment, it's definitely a lot for a player of his caliber. Well, first of all, you're not going to name drop Bobby Portis and not get a reaction out of me. If you guys want to watch (laughs) someone fun playing basketball, someone with a lot of energy, go watch Bobby Portis highlights. But but anyways, I, Thomas, I agree with you to an extent. I think, I think it is a risky decision here, a risky pay, payout, especially considering we haven't seen Drew Holiday play in a playoff game with Giannis. We haven't seen him play on this team in a playoff position. So it's hard to know if, if this is going to be the big three that's going to push Giannis and the Bucks over the edge, that if he's going to be the one who can move the needle. However, I do think the Bucks were in a situation, in a position that they put themselves in where they almost had to pay him this much and they almost had to, you know, re-sign him and pay him big after 
all that they gave up to go out and get him. Now they have $535 million, I believe, tied up in their big three. But you look at what they gave up uh, to acquire Holiday over the summer. They, they gave up Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, 2020 first-round draft pick, um, and two future first-round draft picks. So they, they gave up a lot to bring this guy in, and, and they wanted to give themselves a big three. They're in, they're in a league right now that has big threes. You know, you look – obviously, we just talked about the Nets with their big three, and then you look at the other teams who are struggling to push the needle. They're also looking for that third guy. The 76ers are one. They, I expect them to make some kind of move in the offseason to try and get that third guy. Golden State, where, Golden State Warriors, who we're going to get into uh, later in this show. But, you know, it's it becomes tricky when you have a big three where one of the guys hasn't even made an all-star team. And so this is a big three where you're like, eh, is it going to be enough? Is it going to be enough to get Giannis that title that he's been chasing after? You know, the Bucks, they haven't won an NBA title since 1971. And this, I think, is them putting, taking all their chips, putting it on the middle table and pushing it in and saying, we're all in. We have to win a title in the next three to four years or, or we're screwed because they really have invested everything and then some of these three players. And, and hopefully it pays off. But really, this, this is one of those things where time is going to tell and, and we're not going to know if it was a dumb decision or a genius decision until, until the next two, three years and arguably until it's too late. So. I will say they, the Bucks front office has done a good job in exceeding expectations. They didn't lose Gian, Giannis over the summer, and now they retain Holiday. So they have two giant free agents that they were able to keep in Milwaukee, which, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't know how much there is uh, in Milwaukee. I don't know. If I'm, if I'm a guy in my 20s or 30s looking for stuff to do, I'm probably not going to make my way out to Milwaukee. So, you know, the fact that they were able to keep these – two guys and and hopefully buy into the system and go out and make a push for a championship. Hopefully they're able to do that and all, and all this money and all these decisions will pay off. There's only one reason you go out to Milwaukee and that's to go watch the green Bay Packers. Other than that, I don't know anyone who said I would like to go to Milwaukee on a vacation. I mean, also can Kareem Abdul-Jabbar still play? Is he, do you think if the bucks put him out there for 10 minutes a game that, teams wouldn't go in the paint for that specific 10 minute period. <laughs> I feel like just out of respect, they just leave the lane open. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it's not a, not an idea that could be, could, shouldn't be thrown out the window. Obviously we're joking. All respect to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but that's how long it's been since the Bucks have last won. But this is going to be a tough, tough East, at least at the top to navigate. Cause you got these guys, you got Brooklyn. Uh, Miami is always going to be a, a prick. You've got teams like um, you got teams like the Knicks who are up and coming, so they might actually do something. Boston is, I feel like they're going to put it together in the playoff. Kelly, I know you guys have had uh, a rough season. It's been an up and down year. Kemba's not been playing well, but I feel like the Celtics will put it together. And then the, We're below five hundred right now. Yeah, and then <laughs> I I feel look I the Celtics have tortured me all these years and. Not personal against you, but it's finally time for some good old-fashioned payback. <laughs> um, and I mean, Philadelphia is going to be there. Can Ben Simmons shoot a jump shot? We're going to have to see. That I don't know if he can still if he can do it yet. And then here's a surprise team I like: the Atlanta Hawks. 
Atlanta Hawks have been playing some solid basketball. Their last, uh, their last ten, they're six and four. They're on a three-game win streak. So, this is the, the. I know that people say the West is by far and away better, which it is. But this, this, the East is getting a little better. You know, there's some some solid teams in the mix. So for the Bucks, it's going to be tough. I mean, especially at that top, top three, top four of teams, you got to navigate through that. Ah. Uh, Good luck. I mean, you hope you better hope that holiday trade and that contract pays off because if it doesn't, they're going to look like fools for giving him that money. Thomas, I'm so glad that you mentioned Atlanta because that was a perfect transition to the last topic that I want to get to on the show. And and that's a team in the West. We we spend all of our time in the East right now, but I want to quickly talk about Steph Curry and the Warriors. And I very rarely do we talk about Steph Curry and we have bad things to say? And I, this is not an exception because I think Steph Curry is the glue and the soul and the everything of Golden State basketball right now, but they are struggling. You said that Atlanta is playing good basketball and maybe that's because you're respecting Steph Curry because he did drop 37 on them, but Golden State lost to Atlanta and they lost to Toronto by 53 points. And the Raptors team that is struggling, no less. And they were down by 61 at one point. They've lost 12 of their last 16, seven of their last eight. And if the playoffs started today, they would be the West's number 10 seed, the last team in a play-in series, not even guaranteed to make the playoffs. They're half game of the Pelicans, just one game over the Kings. And, you know, <laughs> it's not for lack of trying on Seth Curry's part, but but they need to figure it out and something needs to change because Thomas, I don't know about you, but, but this team is in a world of trouble in, in my eyes. I, I'm going to, I'm going to step out a little bit on a limb here. I'm going to blame the front office. Now everyone goes, Bob Myers is such a great GM. I'll give you that. When you have Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and Steph and Draymond Green, I don't know how much you need to add to that. And the great GM part, I understand. But when he has those guys, he looks great. Now, I feel it is his fault because this they, I think, significantly underprepared for the season. Obviously, the clay injury was kind of last minute. That's, I don't know how much you can blame on, on the front office. That's just sort of a in-the-moment kind of thing. A snap of a finger and boom, he's hurt. But if you know that he was going to be out, you had a, I mean, you had a, a little bit of time, I guess, to make a trade. Uh, your answer to that is Kelly Oubre. I mean, he's averaging 15 points, but he's shooting 31% from three, which is below, below league average. James Wiseman's only a rookie, and he's, he's missed a little bit of time. Jordan Poole has stepped up, but now he's been reduced to ashes, uh, steps back from injury. And, of course, we know Draymond Green doesn't play offense. Eric Paschal doesn't get enough shots. Fordham, former Fordham Ram, by the way. And Andrew Wiggins, he's averaging 18 points a game. But, you know, Andrew Wiggins, like, you're going to, woo, Andrew Wiggins. Are you going to really pull out the pom-poms and do a little cheerleading thing for him? I don't think so. And Steph Curry's averaging damn near 30 points a game. He's averaging 29.4. So, look. They could have made a move at the deadline, yes. Well, there's some moves that were made before the deadline where Golden State should have gone, hey, wait a second. They gave up nothing to get him. We could have gotten him, yes. I feel like they underprepared, and 
again, like the clay, the clay thing is sort of last minute. So I'm not going to really, uh, I'll cut him some slack there. But other than that, I mean, this is his supporting cast. Come on. Like, I know Steph's great and all, and he is the heart and soul of this Warriors team. And uh, when, when there, he's on the floor, I saw a statistic. He's plus like two, plus three. And then when he's off the floor, they're a bottom two team in the NBA. They're negative like three something. So, and he can't do everything by himself. He's not Michael Jordan. And even Michael Jordan couldn't do everything by himself. And I know that's a wild comparison, but there is no I in team. Now, yes, there is an I in win, but there is no I in team. So I just feel like they underprepared a little bit for the year. They got smacked in the face with Clay. Uh, but I feel like they could have made a move at the trade deadline. I understand that Steph is frustrated, most likely. You know, they're not winning games. They've, uh, they've won five. They've won one of their last six. That's obviously not good. So they definitely could have made a move at the trade deadline. They definitely could try and change up the strategy. And this is weird. You're going to really like this one. Ready, Kelly? This will blow your mind. They're ninth in defensive rating. Okay. So they're a top 10 defensive team. And then they're 22nd in offensive rating. That, that, that doesn't sound like the Warriors that we know. <laughs> no. So uh, unless they turn it around, like right now, they're going down a, a not so fun path. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Clay Thompson. I'm not even sure at this rate if getting him back next year is going to be enough to really save this team. I mean, I think adding Clay Thompson helps you win the playoffs, but I don't think it helps you win a championship. I mean, look at the other guys. You mentioned it. Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, those are your three and four, your four and five guys. I mean, Draymond Green, like you mentioned, you always have them defensively, but whatever on offense. But Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, that's, that's the rest of your team. I mean, come on. Like, that, that's not going to cut it. Not in, this, not in the West. Not anymore, especially – you know, Steph Curry, I think, is arguably top 15, top 20 players of all time. He is a revolutionary player. Year in and year out, he performs at an arguably MVP level. So I don't think you can put any of this on him. But he is getting older, and he isn't going to be able to carry that kind of load for the next three, four years. That's just not going to cut it. And, yes, bringing Klay Thompson is going to help them. That definitely isn't going to hurt. But I don't think I, – I think they have a bigger, more, more serious and deeper problem that they're going to have to address in, in the offseason. And you mentioned it. I was shocked they didn't make more moves at the deadline, especially because this, this year we have that play-in tournament. You know, teams, they went in without Clay Thompson. And they were like, oh, are we even going to make the playoffs? But, you know, they played well enough that they should be a playoff team. They really should. And yet they're, hov- they're hovering right now. They're barely staying in it. So – I think they really need to take an evaluation of their team. Um, I, I've heard a lot of rumors about people they're going to target in offseason. Pascal Siakam's one of them. I think that could be an interesting move. You do have James Wiseman, who I think they need to do a better job of developing and giving him minutes, but that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, he's somebody, do you keep him or do you trade him and try and bring in some more help? I, they have a lot of questions, a lot more questions than answers. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough seeing Curry so frustrated. I mean, he was doing interview an interview after Monday night's game, and he was just so frustrated. He's not somebody who usually shows his emotion or even expresses frustration, and he went on and on for a minute. You know, I hope it stings. I hope it's uncomfortable. It sucks right now. Losing sucks. It's a terrible feeling in the locker room. We don't have much to smile about. These are all Steph Curry quotes about a Golden State team 
that was supposed to be a dynasty for a decade. So, yeah, this is a team that, like you said, Thomas, uh, they really they really need to go out and find an answer because uh, this isn't going to cut it. Uh, it's not cutting it this year, and I don't think it's going to cut it next year with Clay either. But that's all the time we have for this Pick and Pod episode. Thomas, I know you and I could talk about basketball for another six more <laughs> hours, but unfortunately, Definitely. unfortunately, that's going to be it for this episode. But I hope everyone continues to stay healthy and stay happy, and we will be coming at you next week with another episode of Pick and Pod. I'm Kelly Bright. Thomas Aiello was joining me today. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.